You are listening to sermons from the pulpit of the Bible Baptist Church in Marysville, California. We hope you will be blessed as you listen to another practical message. Message in that song, so appropriate. So appropriate. God's so good. And He will hold your hand. He'll be there. And there are a lot of there are a lot of people going through a lot of things right now. And with that, you know, we've got to make sure that we're looking to the right person for our strength. And the Lord's the one that can be there for us no matter what we're facing. And thankful for that. All right, uh, here we are in the book of Romans. Keep your Bibles out. We're going to go through the whole chapter tonight. And... This is a very powerful, not only is Romans a very powerful passage of Scripture, it's the most doctrinal book in the Bible. When we pass out and we have printed John and Romans, uh, those two books together, uh, the Gospel of John tells you about Jesus being the Son of God, Jesus being God. So you look at uh, the Lord Himself as God uh, in John, and then you see the doctrines in the book of Romans. Uh, I remember when I was younger in the faith, and I would wonder, why are they printing John and Romans? They should just print the New Testament. And, uh, of course, I didn't understand the, uh, the great expenses of, uh, of getting uh, full passages of Scripture together. And, uh, but John and Romans, if a believer... If you this morning were only going to take two books in the Bible and be a student of those books, you could be a very well-rounded Christian if you studied John and Romans. Now, all the scripture is given by inspiration, and it's all profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction. But the, these are some uh, very powerful passages. So Romans uh, is... Uh, a very powerful passage of Scripture, but it's also a very pointed passage of Scripture. You know, sometimes we don't like the pointedness of Scripture. Sometimes we don't like when things are called out. It just isn't comfortable. Uh, but Romans 1 uh, is really the, the life of the believer. You look at this and God is trying to give the, the foundation to help a believer really know what this life is about as a believer. And this, this life, though, of the believer, it's a journey. And that journey is not an unguided or an ungoverned journey. There have been times where Deb and I, we will, uh, we will get in the car and we will just drive. We, we, we find uh, a release of stress by just taking a drive. And we'll just get in the car and drive and uh, we'll, we'll take a road that we've not been down before and then find another road that we hadn't been down and we'll just, we'll just take a drive. And uh, that is just one way personally that uh, we have found, usually it's out in the country, up in the mountains somewhere, and just drive and get away and uh, see the grandeur of God and how big God is. It just, all of a sudden, problems seem to sort of fall away a little bit. And so here is we look at this life, though. Life is a journey. But that journey is a journey that has a direction. 
You know, God didn't put you on a journey to wander. You know, the, the wilderness wanderings, that was not God's plan for his people. He never designed for them to just go out and wander in the wilderness. The wandering in the wilderness was because of their unwillingness to take steps of faith. And when they didn't take those steps of faith, their wandering was really their fault. They didn't, they didn't take steps of faith trusting God, and, uh, and God does give us direction. He, he told his people what he wanted them to do, where he wanted them to go, and they chose not to do so. But there is, there is direction in, in God's word. Uh, years ago, Deb and I went to Boston, and when we were in Boston, uh, we, uh, we went, and uh, we went during the changing of the leaves, and uh, so being able to see all the different uh, uh, leaves, we drove through uh, Connecticut and Boston, let's see, Connecticut and Maine and Vermont, and uh, May, I think we got up to Maine. Anyway, there are several states that we went through, and just looking at all the changing of the leaves, and there wasn't really a specific journey that we were on. It wasn't like, okay, you got to be here at this time and here at this time. It was just sort of, let's take this road today and let's go up this way and then we'll stop. Wherever we decided to stop is where we would stay. And, you know, but life isn't that way. God gives us some direction and he wants us to go and follow him as we are traveling on this journey. And so the journey uh, we are we call life uh, not only has a desirable destination, uh, it also has some points of purpose. There are also some places, there is a purpose that God has for us. And so uh, tonight I'm going to speak to you on the subject, it's a journey. It's a journey. Father, I thank you for your goodness. Pray that you just meet needs tonight. Uh, you know our minds, our hearts. You know our needs. You know our struggles. You know the pressures that we face. And so uh, may the Spirit of God just uh, minister to us, lead us, guide us, help us to find strength uh, in your word, please. For Christ's sake, we pray. Amen. First of all, I want you to see that on this journey, uh, we are all called. Go to Romans chapter 1. And verse number one, it says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. What's that next word? Called. And Paul was called to be an apostle separated under the gospel of God. And, you know, there is different callings that God has for our life. And Paul, uh, as he was a believer, he was also called to be an apostle. Now, an apostle uh, was a, uh, it was a position that God had called him to, to hold. It was this apostleship. Uh, the word apostle, uh, it means sent one. It is called an envoy. It is somebody who has been given a message uh, and they are sent with that to carry it on. And so Paul uh, was uh, that apostle. Now, uh, all of us, when we think about this, Paul was called to be an apostle. Well, I wasn't called to be an apostle. And aren't you glad? Because all the apostles were martyred. John was boiled in hot oil. Peter was crucified, history says, on an upside-down cross. Thomas was filleted alive. 
And we look at him, we call him Doubting Thomas. I'm telling you, Thomas had a lot more faith than we had. Uh, but uh, here we, we look at uh, this, this, uh, this calling that God had for Paul, and you say, well, I'm not called uh, to be an apostle. No, that, none of us are. And, and there isn't anybody anymore being called to be an apostle any, uh, either. Uh, so uh, sometimes you'll meet people and they'll say, well, I'm apostle so-and-so. Uh, well, uh, you can call yourself what you want to call yourself, but there are no more apostles. Sort of like the, the young man that's 12 that says, I'm elder uh, so-and-so when they knock on your door, uh, and uh, the Mormons. And so you have this kid that's 14 years old, maybe he's 18, I don't know, but uh, hi, I'm Elder John. Uh, elder, okay. Uh, but anyway, uh, you, you have uh, this calling, and God, God does call, and he has called uh, the apostles. He called the apostles, uh, and there was a specific job that he had for him to do. Uh, and we look at it and say, well, okay, well, that's, that's for them. But God didn't stop there. Uh, go down to verse number uh, 6. It says, among whom are ye also the called? And here he said, among whom also ye are the called of Jesus Christ. So just as the Lord Jesus called Paul to be an apostle, uh, you and I have also been called. Look at verse number seven. To all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, First, I thank God, my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. What do we find here? We find that there's a calling. There was a calling of apostleship, but there was also a calling to be saints. And all of us have that calling on our life. That is not a calling for the pastor. That is not a calling for a staff. That is a calling for every believer that we are called to be saints. Uh, the Lord calls called your name. Uh, the Lord has a plan for you. Uh, it, is, it is a plan that he has for your life. And that calling, being called to be saints, uh, it wasn't just a calling uh, that you would be saved. There was a calling that your life would, would represent him and his kingdom down here on this earth. So, so there was a calling. Uh, he said, ye also uh, the called. So uh, it's not just the preacher that's called, ye also. Uh, you have been called by Christ. You know what that makes you? That makes you special. It makes you special. You know, I love playing basketball, but I'm not any good. I've got a three-inch vertical. You know, when we play basketball and things are going on, uh, there have been times where uh, I've been standing there and teams are being, being uh, called out and this person gets picked and this person gets picked and there's five on five and, and uh, I'm number nine and uh, I'm number nine on the other team, not even call, really. It doesn't even get to that. They get the first five, get the next five, and then it's like, okay, well, the next five are going to be on, uh, but there's six of us there, so then the next five go, and then I wait for the third game because uh, I just, by attrition, I got pulled in. Uh, you know, the reality is, uh, when you're not picked, have you ever stood on the sideline not being picked? 
Have you, ever, have you ever been there and somebody's getting together and they, they invite everybody but you? You know, that doesn't happen with the Lord. He called you. He's, he, he wants you. And God doesn't leave any of us out. And we have been called. That is, that is a wonderful thing. We are called, but we're called to be saints. Now, the word saint there is hagias. It's the word uh, for holy. And God wants us uh, to not just be saved. He wants us to be a holy individual. Uh, and when the Lord calls, we're to come. It's not that he calls and we say, you know what? I don't want to be on your team. That shouldn't be that way. It should be that God is calling, and when God calls, we should respond, and we should respond to be whatever it is that He wants us to be. Uh, and He called us, you and I, we were called to be saints. Uh, and, and with that, uh, I, I, I remember when I was younger, uh, we lived, still lived in Tacoma, downtown Tacoma, uh, and these, these street lights. We, we did not live in the country at that point, lived down in the, in the city, and there was always street lights on. I remember uh, the street lights just being in my window. I remember as a child when we moved out to the country, it was dark. And it was just so different. Uh, but I remember uh, when the street lights came on, uh, we, we knew that mom was about to call. You know what? When she called us to come, if we didn't come, we were in trouble. You know, God, we, we should know his voice. We, we, should, we should be sensitive to his calling, just like, just like moms, uh, when, when kids are around and all of a sudden somebody yells mom, uh, you know, all the mom's heads pop up, but they know whether or not it was theirs. There is a, there's a keen knowledge, understanding uh, who that cry was. Uh, if one of the ch- children start crying, uh, the dads look around, whose is it? We don't know which one is crying. You know, is that mine? Is that somebody else's? Uh, but there is a there's a sensitivity that moms have towards their children and that that cry. When God calls, we should know His voice. We should uh, be listening for it. And we have all been called, and we've been called uh, to be saints. So uh, to be holy. Now, with that, that's that's not to be defiled. It means not to be unholy. We are uh, to be holy, not spotted by the world. Uh, we are to be different from the world, not alike. So uh, first of all here, we see that uh, we, on this journey, we are called. Secondly, I want you to see that we are commissioned. We are commissioned. God has a plan for us. And in that commission, uh, being commissioned, we think about the Great Commission, uh, Matthew 28, uh, 19, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. You see, there was a commission that was given to us, Acts 1, 8, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And the Lord not only 
calls us, he also commissions us. He empowers us to be able to do the work that he has called us to do. You know, we might think, well, I'm not qualified. You know what? God knows how to qualify whom he calls. And he gives us a job, he calls us, he wants us to be holy, but he also commissions us with a job to accomplish. Uh, and, and it's not about us, it's about him. Uh, it's not in our strength, it's in the, the Holy Spirit's strength. If we try to do God's work in the arm of the flesh, we will fail. We'll fail. You know, the arm of the flesh will fail us every time. And here we see that, that calling, we see that commissioning. Uh, but then uh, we see thirdly here, the charge. Go back to verse number one. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. You know, here what do we find? We find the apostle's calling re revolved around the gospel. You know what? The commissioning of the believer, it revolves around the gospel. You know, we need to make sure that we are sharing our faith. We're sharing our faith. We don't know how long someone has. We don't know how many uh, instances we are going to have to be able to uh, connect with somebody. I've told the story before. There was a young man. His name was David. And David was, uh, he was in high school, I was already out of high school working for a shop, and as I was working at this shop, we had a couple high school kids that would come in uh, after they got out of school, and they would, they would help clean up, and uh, so uh, this young man's name was David, and David had everything. I mean, he was 16 years old. He was driving a 1969 uh, Nova SS, had the 396 in it. Uh, Dad paid for all of it. It was cherry. It was just a beautiful car. Uh, and, uh, you know, he came from money. There was all kinds of money that was there. And, and Dave had everything that it seemed like that would make him happy. One day, one of the other young men came in. His name was Eric, and Eric walks in, and he's bawling, just sobbing. And it was on a it was on a uh, a, a Friday morning, a Friday afternoon. And I was like, "What's wrong?" And he said, "It's Dave." I said, "What do you mean?" He said, "Last night, Dave went and committed suicide. Sixteen years old." I stopped and I thought about just a month earlier, a month and a half, maybe two months earlier. I had pulled the engine out of my Nova. I was re had that down. No, uh, no, he pulled the engine out of his car and he was having it rebuilt and he wanted to ride home. And I was driving down the road. And the Holy Spirit said, witness to Dave, witness to Dave. I had already surrendered to preach. I was a captain of a bus route. I was preaching junior church every week. And I froze. You ever get in that spot? 
And I didn't say anything. And then Dave opened the door and said, you know, you're at church all the time. Why do you go to church? And the Holy Spirit said, witness to him. Witness to him. Witness to him. And I couldn't get it out. Oh, you got to come with us sometime. And I left it as an invitation. Let me tell you, when I heard that Dave's life was over, my mind raced back to when the Holy Spirit was trying to get me to tell him about Jesus Christ and his need for a Savior. I wonder what it would have happened had I witnessed to him. Would it have changed his life? I don't know. But I know one thing. His, my unwillingness to share the gospel, I will never forget that, that instance. I will never forget that conviction. You know why? Because we don't know how long we have. In my mind, I thought, oh, I'll witness to him maybe another time. Or I'll invite him to church and he'll come and maybe he'll get saved that way. I don't know how we justify things in the moment. Uh, but what I do know is I did not witness. And you and I, we've got to make sure that we are not losing the opportunities that God gives to us. And we're not going to win at everybody. But we should witness to those, especially that the ones that the Holy Spirit of God is opening up that door and giving us that opportunity. Uh, I told you I witness to uh, John on the way to church last Sunday morning, uh, the Lyft driver. Well, Sunday night, uh, called Lyft again to go back to church and uh, uh, got into the, uh, the Lyft car and I started witnessing to Robert and I talked to him about the Lord. And Robert was not interested. He listened, he was polite, uh, but he really wasn't uh, engaging like uh, John did uh, in the morning and in, in that Sunday morning. Uh, but you know what? We have, we have got to take the opportunities that we have to tell other people about the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, we, we have been, uh, we have been uh, charged to do, uh, to do so, uh, and it's all through Scripture. Uh, go to uh, Romans 8, uh, 1, 8. He said, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making requests if by any means, now at length, I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. For I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end that you may be established. That is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith of both you and me. And around the gospel, the gospel is not just witnessing. The gospel also includes that we are encouraging one another in the faith. We are praying for one another in the faith. This is this gospel that of Jesus Christ. It wasn't just that he died for me, was buried and rose again so I can have eternal life. Uh, the gospel represents the entire faith. And the, because of what the gospel has done, uh, we, should be, uh, we should be following that. Our 
faith uh, should be there. So here we see that there were, uh, they were being charged uh, in their faith to continue. They're being charged in their faith uh, to, uh, to be present and active. Uh, they were to be communicators, to testify uh, of the gospel and, and what the Lord has done. And so this, this uh, life of the, the believer, that communicator of the charge was really that they were going to be ambassadors for Christ. They were going to be somebody who represented the king of another country. And that's what we do right now. You see, we've been called. And that calling is a calling that, that causes us uh, to be in our faith, uh, to be telling other people and to resep, uh, represent the Lord uh, in our life. So, so here we see this this calling, we see that uh, they they were commissioned. They were they were given the authority. They were given the responsibility. Now, uh, when you look at uh, the military, I was looking this up earlier, and they were talking about the different commissioning. You have the commissioned officers, and then you have the non-commissioned officers. And the the commissioned officers are officers of command. And the the difference is not that the not that the NCOs don't have the ability to have, uh, to have the operations and the ability to give orders, but the command falls under uh, the, the commissioned officers and the operations, uh, the, it is under the NCOs. And there was a different term that they gave for that. Uh, but, but we have been commissioned. We have been given the right. Uh, we have been given the responsibility uh, to, to, uh, to fulfill the duty that we have been given, uh, we have been charged, and the charges about the gospel. But then there was a clarification here. We see, fourthly, that there were, they were clarified. Now, uh, you know, sometimes the orders are not always clear. Sometimes God doesn't tell us, you go here right now. I wish that was the case. I wish the Lord just sent down from heaven an email with a flow chart and a task list. And you could just check them off. You knew exactly, you would know exactly where you're at. Okay, I got that one done, got that one done. Uh, I don't know about this one, but I'll work on it. Now, God doesn't do that. But God does give us some clarifications as we are in this, this walk of faith. Go to verse number 17. Now, Romans 1 is a passage of Scripture that really identifies the world that we live in. But look at uh, verse number 17. He said, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Now, let me, let me say this, from faith to faith. That means that that faith is to be passed on to another to their faith. From faith to faith. From faith to faith. You and I are not supposed to just have our faith. We are to hand off our faith. We are to impart our faith uh, to others. Uh, so God's ways, though, uh, when we look at our faith, it doesn't always line up with our ways. It doesn't always line up with 
our ideologies. Isaiah 55, verse number 7, he says, Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him and to our God, and he will, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. You know, God's ways are above our ways. And if our ways don't line up with His ways, our ways are wrong. That's why it's so important that we don't look at a culture to determine what is acceptable with God. We've, we've got to open up the book and find out what God says. Uh, what does He want? So here, uh, when we, we look at this, we see what the Lord wills. Uh, the Lord wills. There, there are things that God wants all of us to do. They're, they are spelled out in Scripture. Then there's also things that are spelled out that He does not want us to do. Now, in the middle, we look at Romans 12, we have proving what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, within the, within the boundaries between what we should do and what we should not do, there, there is some flexibility. You know, God doesn't come down and say, thou shalt be mechanic, maybe. Now, am I saying that he doesn't lead people? No, I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying uh, there isn't any chapter and verse that we can go into and say, uh, that's exactly what God wants me to do. How many of you have had more than one job? All right, with that, what do we find? We find that, you know, you go into a job and maybe it was for a season, a period of time, but it isn't forever and it isn't if you uh, stop that, then now all of a sudden you're completely out of God's will. There's, there's the good, the perfect, the, uh, the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Somebody looked at it and sort of identified that as a, uh, as a target. And if you were looking at an archery target, uh, you would see there, there was, you hit the target and they got those, those rings there. Now, uh, if you hit the target, uh, that's good. If you miss the target, that's bad. Uh, I, I have gone to qualifications for firearms uh, many times over the years, and uh, and with that, you'll see you'll see shooting. You'll whether it's us or somebody else, and all of a sudden there's shots going off, but there's no paper being cut, and it's like, okay, this is not good. They're not hitting what they're shooting at, uh, and you know, uh, God wants us to hit the target. The good. What is the good will of God? It is, it is within the boundaries of not bad. You know, the Bible says it is a, it's good for a man to have a wife. All right? But he doesn't tell you which one. But he gives you a whole lot of advice on which ones not to have. But he doesn't come down and say, this one. Now, he did for me. But no, he, he doesn't give us a specific name. He doesn't drop a letter from heaven and tell you who you should marry. Uh, but but there, there are many. There are many women. Does that mean that you can marry any of them? Well, the scripture tells us some qualifications. Can two walk together except they be agreed? So no. 
And that's talking about faith. And so here, if two are, if they're not saved, then you can't walk together. That would be, that would be an unequally, being, not being unequally yoked. If we're not going the same direction, that is, that is a guideline. That would say, okay, that should not be somebody that I would uh, marry. But, but here, God doesn't spell everything out for us. He gives us some uh, levity there as we are making decisions. Uh, but with that, uh, there, he is clear on things that he wants us to do, and he is clear on what he does not want us to do. And then he expects us, as we open up the book of Proverbs, to have wisdom and understanding on how to apply it to our life. And so, uh, so here we, we look at this, go back to Romans 1, verse 19. He says, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. So here we see that the foolishness is when we are not recognizing God as God in our life. And when we are not giving him that position of God. Now, God is God regardless of how we view him. And God is all powerful regardless of what we, what power we give him in our life and whether we submit to him. Uh, but with that, uh, it's foolish for us to reject the revealed will, uh, the revealed, the revelation of who God is. Uh, so he goes on and says, professing themselves to be uh, wise, they became fools. And those that reject God are foolish. It's foolish. You know what? There are people who profess to be saved who reject God as well. You know, just because we're saved doesn't mean we're not foolish. I'm thankful for, for being saved. And I'm thankful for His mercy and His grace his patience and long-suffering. But just because I'm saved doesn't mean that I am wise. But we can be. And that's a, that is a decision that we have to make. God doesn't force it on us. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. Uh, God says, listen, I've, I am the source of all wisdom, and I am willing to give it to you, but do we even seek it? And if we're not seeking truth from his word, then we are not showing that we want wisdom. And so, so we need that wisdom. Uh, but here we see that, uh, that there is a clarification. Look at verse number uh, 23. He said, And change the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and to four-footed beasts and to creeping things. So here then, we, what do we find? We find that they are making gods of creation. 
How many times do you hear people talk about, I'm worshiping God out on the lake? And we don't think about that as being idolatrous because it wasn't an actual image. But it's still idolatry. And so here, uh, look at, uh, uh, he says in verse number 24, Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie, and worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. And that is the country that we live in, the world that we live in, the culture that we have. Uh, and uh, we, we have to make sure that as God is qualifying and clarifying what should not be a part of a believer and what is not acceptable in his sight. He's going to list a whole group of, uh, of actions. And in these actions uh, and these attitudes that he is going to mention in the rest of the book of, uh, of uh, chapter 1 of Romans, uh, he is going to list a whole lot of things that our world embraces and says, oh, this is okay. And you and I, we've got to make sure that we don't allow the world's philosophy to change our beliefs. So, people who, I've had people who are, have been saved for years, people saved longer than I am, living an immoral lifestyle, shacking up, and then they feel like everything's good. That's a lie. It's a lie. Why? Because God has said this is not acceptable. And he lists all of these behaviors and all these attitudes. Uh, look at verse 26. For this cause, God gave them up unto, what's he say? Vile affections. Vile affections. Now, when you think about the word vile, is that something that you want to embrace? No, it's, it's something that's repulsive. It is something that is defiled. It is something that uh, is, is unholy, impure. And God said that he gave them up to vile affections. And so that word affection is dealing with the desires of their heart. That's why God says, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. And what is going on in our heart determines the direction that we are going to go. Uh, so he said, for this cause, uh, uh, God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseen and receiving in themselves the recompense of their error which was meat. And, and here God is, uh, God is giving some directions uh, about the, uh, about the uh, immoral, uh, the unnatural behaviors that this world uh, is struggling with today, but it is nothing new. It's nothing new. It was going on in the Lord's day. It was going on in Paul's day. You know, sin, 
Sin has been going on since the garden. But what do we find? We find when people start embracing it. And Paul here is giving this instruction, and he is, ta- he is talking to those who are called to be saints. And he is teaching them about this, not so they know about all these different options that are in their life. No, he is teaching them about this so they know what clearly is off limits in their life. The things that should not be a part of, that they should not embrace. And and so uh, it says, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness. Now, uh, with this list of unrighteousness. Uh, just, just listen to this. These are things that, uh, that have been clarified that this should not name us as believers. Uh, so the unrighteousness here, uh, they were filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness. They were full of envy. Now, you know what? When we think about envy, we don't think that that's a problem at all. But God just tied that in with a crowd of people that we wouldn't want to identify with. The next one was murder. God put envy right before murder. Debate. The debate. You you think about debate. Why do some people always want to argue truth? Truth is convicting, isn't it? I've been watching some of the de- debates with, with some people that are very sharp. And Ben Shapiro, and there's several others that are very intelligent, and they, they have a way to sort of pull all their thoughts together and give answers just like, just like that. Uh, I wasn't given that mind. Uh, and so I have to study. Uh, and so uh, I'll listen to them. Why? So it sort of helps frame my mind and the different arguments and so I can give an answer. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, people that, that when they don't have an answer, they get violent. I was listening to a debate and Caitlyn Jenner and Ben Shapiro. And on this panel, he was... He was pointing out some things, and uh, he was mentioning that uh, ben, he was mentioning that Caitlyn Jenner, that he, and boy did that throw uh, a bunch of uh, uh, problems. But uh, he was he referred to him as a he, and then he got hammered by everybody, and he said, genetically, no matter how he wants to identify, everything about him is male." And you know what? They tried to argue with him, but they didn't have an argument. So what did they do? They attacked him, and they even threatened physical harm. Uh, why are we the ones that are called haters? You know, it's, it's just it's amazing, but what do we find? We find that this type of a lifestyle, and unfortunately, I know people who have, who have uh, been in church and raised in church and have 
taken and gone the direction of Romans 1 and uh, the identity and the uh, LGBTQ. Uh, and with that, what do we find? There, there, is a, uh, there is a choice. There is a decision. And God is clarifying these, these, are, these are places that we need to stand and there are places that we need not to stand. There are things that we need to do, yet things that we need not to do. And so truth, though, is exclusive. It excludes anything that is not true. You know what? We need to know the truth. We need to know the truth. What does God say? Not just what do, do I think or what my family thinks or what some of my friends think. What does God think? What does God say? And so uh, truth uh, it, exclu- it, it is exclusive, it excludes, it exposes, it judges. That's why we need to know truth. So here, as we're on this journey, if we are going to stay on track, we can't, we can't just lick our finger and see which way the wind is blowing to see how we are going to live and how we are going to adapt. Uh, The believer is never called to adapt to this world. God called us a peculiar people. And he wasn't saying you are weird because some are. I've heard the statement, the gospel light attracts strange bugs. And that's, that's the truth, but God isn't telling us that we have to be weird. God is saying, I have called you to be my people. And as my people, you are not the same as those that are without God. And we are to be different, and we are to live that life. And this life as a journey, there are some guidelines, and there are some boundaries, and there is levity for us to make uh, some decisions. But within those decisions, they need to be checked and balanced by what is it that God wills me to do? What are the things that He has commanded me to do? What are the things that He has uh, advised me to do? What are the things that He has said is wise If God is telling us things are wise, he is telling us so we don't go against that and the opposite is foolish. So so with this, we are called, we are commissioned, we are charged, but his will also is clarified. And he gives us some guidance. Let's make sure that we are following that guidance. Let's make sure that we're staying on the right track. And Paul here, as he is writing to this group of believers, he said, your faith, your faith is known the whole world. Everybody knows about your faith. You know what? If everybody knew about their faith, their faith was not a Sunday morning, Sunday night activity. It was how they lived. And that's, as a believer, we needed to live it. Day in, day out. Let's just follow it. It's a journey. There are going to be some turns. And there are going to be some bends. And there are going to be some bumps in the road. But let's stay on the journey. 
Father, I pray that you'd help us. Thank you for your goodness to us. And uh, Lord, thank you for the truths of Scripture. Help us, uh, Lord, just to go the direction you'd want us to go and to follow your leading. And so bless now tonight. Uh, watch over our people. Lord, lots of needs. And help us, Lord, to just guide our actions uh, according to the leading and the revelation of what you have given us in your word. And so help us tonight, please. For Christ's sake, we pray. Amen. Let's stand. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed our service. If you would like to hear more, visit our website at bbc4me.org. That's bbc, the number four, me.org. May God bless you.